Thanks for listening to another episode of Disco Mail. Chapter 9. Livestock. The office girl points at a small tin welded to the rail behind the driver of the bus. I drop my one RMB coin into the tin and the bus doors close behind me as the vehicle pulls away from the curb. I sit next to the office girl. She carries only a small paper envelope with my records in it, all that she'll need for my medical check. An old couple keep looking at me and the woman leans forward and says something to the office girl. The office girl smiled and translated for me. They want to know how much you earn per month. I'm surprised at the directness and I look at her for an indication of what I should say. The office girl says, it's normal to ask this here, you don't, but you don't have to answer. We stop and a young couple with identical shirts jump on. They hold hands and the old couple stare at them. I say to the office girl, you can tell them I earn 3000 per month. I'm embarrassed to say I earn 6000 which is a lot for this city. The old couple smile as they are told and the old man looks disappointed. He waves his finger at the office girl and she giggles. She leans forward to me and says, he says that's not good for a foreigner. You should be earning about 10000 per month. I smile. We say goodbye to the old couple as the bus stops in front of the medical centre. I'd say, with much practice, Zai Jian, and they and several other people chuckle. The office girl starts to laugh after glancing up at the sign above the centre's entrance. I frown and ask why, and she has to control her sniggering before she can say, Well, it says that this is the centre for screening livestock and foreigners, and her face continues to redden. I'm a little apprehensive about having a medical in such a remote city, but as we pass through the front door, I'm relieved to see how clean the place is. Lots of white tiles, dark wooden doors, and not many people around. I'm first whisked into the x-ray room. The x-ray machine looks like something from the 1960s. I have electrodes attached to my feet, large steel clips to my arms, and funny suction cups to my chest. I pretend to be electrocuted when they turn the machine on and the doctor tells me to settle down. Chapter 10. Monuments. Quote, Chinese Valentine's Day. Legend says that a cowherder, Niu Liang, saw the seven daughters of the goddess of heaven during one of their visits to earth. He decided to have a bit of fun by running off with their clothing while the daughters were bathing in the river. It fell upon the youngest and prettiest daughter, Ji Yu, to ask him to return their clothes. They fell in love and married. The couple lived happily for a number of years. However, the goddess of heaven started to miss her daughter's presence and instructed her to come back to heaven. They were, however, however allowed to meet once a year, for the goddess of heaven couldn't see her daughter in a pitiable condition as she was separated from her lover. Thus, Every year, on the seventh night of the seventh moon, magpies came together to make a bridge with their wings for Ji Yu to cross and go to her husband, Niu Liang. End quote. Scarecrow and I walked under the Welcome Foreign Friend sign, written in white lettering on a large red banner stretched across the gate of the school. I had flowers given to me, and I was given the rounds of the school, Nanjing Middle School. I've been contracted by my boss to work there two days a week. The school's only about 10 years old, 
so the buildings are in good condition. Four storeys, freshly painted, lots of concrete, with a sports ground tacked onto the edge. The buildings are in stark contrast to the old apartment buildings of the suburb they serve. You can see how much the culture values education, just in the architecture alone, living monuments to learning. Out the front of the main building as you enter the school, there are some neatly manicured hedges, short bright green shrubs with a layer of dusty grey stuck to the leaves, pruned into the shape of Chinese characters. I assume that these characters might say something like respect teachers, but ask, after, I was, after I asked, I was told they said, love the motherland. As I entered classrooms to visit students, I was given rounds of applause. They were crammed in, about 50 to a room, and were all sitting on small wooden benches. They soaked up the presence of a foreign teacher enthusiastically. They were excited to be learning. After Australia, this was amazing, exciting and strange. I was accustomed to sneers and snide remarks. Silka, a senior English teacher, followed me wherever I went. She pushed fruit into my hands when I sat down and made sure the disposable cup in my hand was always filled with freshly brewed tea. When I looked hot, she produced a tissue mid-lesson for me to wipe my forehead. She was present for every class and would take me for a rest between, of, of about 15 minutes in between each lesson. I felt like undeserving royalty. Later, of course, the inevitable banquet. I was seated as the guest of honour with the Communist Party secretary of the school, an old 65-year-old battle axe with thick leathery skin, a loud voice, a huge old earthy smile, and looked what looked like a three-pack-a-day smoking regime. As the food came out, she ordered me to eat. I often couldn't understand the order, but I could read the glare in the body language. As the wine spirits came out, she toasted harder and longer than anyone else in the room, and she looked unaffected by the nearly 50% alcohol level of, of the stuff, and I started to feel my head spinning. In between the eels and the pig ears dishes, she expressed concern that I was looking a bit under the weather and should be more careful. I couldn't keep up with her. There are always lots of toast at these things because the Chinese don't drink unless you toast something first. I was confident from, well, too much liquor. So I thought I'd take a bull by the horns and propose my own toast. I asked if it was okay and they smiled and said, of course. I rose now with a diet cola in my hand and said, I study Chinese history at school and at university and this is why I'm in China and I'm fascinated by Chinese culture. I paused for this to be translated then. And this fascination was kindled in high school when I studied the liberation period, the revolution. The most amazing thing for me was the work of Chairman Mao Zedong. So I think if it wasn't for Mao Zedong, China wouldn't be here and I wouldn't have come. So cheers to Comrade Mao. A couple of young teachers just smiled and drank. A couple of older teachers giggled and looked embarrassed and didn't know what to say. No, no one knew quite what to do. The Communist Party secretary of the school put down a cigarette, cleared her throat, and she said, Ah, he did great things when he was young. Great man for China. She raised her glass the highest. The conversation quickly turned to girls. The secretary asked me, So, do you have a wife? And when I said no, she said, Oh, a handsome man like you must have a girlfriend. 
I smiled and drank some more cola, and Silko said, It's Chinese Valentine's Day soon. Do you know the story? And we talked about the day. I asked, Why is it such a sad legend? Valentine's Day in the West is a happy day. I don't think we could celebrate such a sad romantic story. No one could give me a decent answer. I left soon after and went home and slept off the drink. I started early the next day at eight. Silka insisted I come early to see the morning exercise routine. Next morning, I'm walking to work with tired, heavy eyes, wondering if it really is worth seeing this routine. But when I get through the gate, I see the entire school, about 3,000 kids, in huge lines doing coordinated, simple routines, and it does look pretty impressive. I follow the kids back to classes, streams of them, and Silka helps me find my first group of kids. I'm a little early and I'm puzzled by one of the female students who seems to be walking around and picking on the other kids. None of the others say anything back to her though. Oh, Silka begins. She's one of the class monitors. Each class has two or three. She's in charge of making sure students are all well behaved in between classes. I frown and ask, how does she get them to listen to her? The students seem to really take her seriously. Silka smiles. If she makes a report about one of those students, the teacher will call that student's parents. The students often call these student monitors the teacher's dogs, she laughs. But they're good. They help us to keep the school running well. I finish my first class. There is no bell. Instead, they blare Richard Clayton music over loudspeakers. I'm standing next to a poster of Lennon, and Silka says, So, have you bought someone a Valentine's Day gift yet? Girls here like chocolates very much. I say, I don't have anyone, that, anyone to give them to. 